Now on News Talk, Santa, the man behind the beard. My name is Denise Marr. I have been working as a journalist for many years and have been lucky enough to interview some of the real big names out there. From politicians to movie stars, I have interviewed them all. But there has always been one big interview that eluded me. This interview was with a man who had been a big hero of mine, but a man for whom I had a lot of questions. People had tried over the years to answer some of these questions, but it just seemed the more questions that were asked, the more there were to be answered. I knew that there was only one man who could answer my questions, and that was the man himself, Santa Claus. This time last year, I managed, through sources that professionally I can't reveal, to secure a week in the North Pole. By spending a week there at the most stressful time of the year, I got to know the real Santa Claus. I got to know the man behind the beard. Hello, my name is Denise Marr and I'm here to interview Santa Claus. Wow, you're really big. Oh my god, it's snowing outside. You better come in. I'll see if Santa wants to talk. It, it looks like there's a party going on in here. <laughs> a party? I wish. We are hard at work here. Union rules say that we have to down tools and dance on the hour every hour. Come on in. <laughs> Trixie, help! The marshmallow machine's exploded. This won't do at all. We have only five days until Christmas and the chocolate coin machine has stopped working. We're looking to have to make a return to oranges if we don't get going within the next 24 hours. Oh, it won't do. It just won't do at all. Who are you? Hi, my name is Denise Marr. I have an interview with Santa Claus. This won't do. This just won't do at all. You better come with me. This is where all the toys get made. And this is the stocking section where we do all the stocking fillers. Tinky, Trixie, could somebody please look at fixing that chocolate coin machine? Oh, on it straight away, sir! Yes, sir! This is the doll section, and this is the modern toy section. Modern toy section? Actually, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. How have the elves reacted to computers and things like that? Oh, please, I hope you're not going to be bothering Santa Claus with these kind of silly questions. I have to ask these questions. Everybody wants to know them. It just won't do, it just won't do to ask him. This is the busiest week of the whole year and you're meant to be here to observe. But I... Shh! Oh, come in, come in. I spent that first night with Santa, sitting beside the fire, getting to know him. He wasn't wearing his full suit. He had his red bottoms on him with braces over his white cotton shirt. I kept on having to pinch myself to believe where I was. He sat there in his big cosy armchair beside the fire and rubbed his beard as he laughed to himself, remembering funny stories. Ho, ho, ho! I remember you, Denise. 
I think it was when you were seven. Alabaster wanted to put you on the to-watch list for what you did to poor Mrs. Tiernan after you sharpened that pencil. The poor woman couldn't sit down for days. <laughs> but you, you were a good girl, really. I saw the way you were very kind to old Mrs. Butler up the road. We are all allowed one mistake. Once, we always do our very best to be good and kind to people. And poor Alabaster, he takes life a bit too seriously. You saw all of that, Santa. <laughs> you don't stay in the game as long as I do without having your sauces. Am I interrupting? Not at all, Mother Claus. This is the reporter from Ireland. Oh, hello, Mrs. Claus. It's so great to meet you. My name is Denise. Denise. She has come all the way to spend the week with us in the run-up to the big one. All the way from Ireland? Oh, you must be exhausted. Santa and I love Irish people, especially Irish children. We think they are the best in the whole world. Now, I'm going to show you up to your room and I'll make up a nice warm bed for you. You must be so tired and you'll need a good night's sleep. We are going to have a very busy few days. I must say I am exhausted. It took me four days to get here. And the ice, well, trekking through that completely took it out of me. So that would be lovely. Thank you. I will leave you in the capable hands of Mrs. Claus. <laughs> I think you will have the best sleep of your life tonight. Pepper, can I have some more cookies and milk, please? Of course, Dear. Santa. I'll get them for you straight away. Oh, now, Pepper, only three for him tonight, please. Santa, I can't let out that red suit anymore. Now, Denise, you come with me. I'm going to show you to your room. Oh, would you like some sandwiches before oh, you go to bed? No, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, what about soup? No, I'm grand, thank you. A slice of pudding? No, but would you would you have a cup of tea? Oh, lovely Irish tea. Yes. Of course. Thank you. Good night, Santa. The week before I started on my journey to the North Pole, I had visited the pupils of St. Audience School. They told me what they knew about Santa Claus. He drinks milk. He eats cookies. He lives at the North Pole. He has a big fat tummy. And he wears a hat. He wears, and he has Rudolph reindeers. And he sells all the toys and he makes the toys. And he goes up and he slay and he, and he laughs. Uh, I know that he has a big fat belly like Jerry. <laughs> and uh, he, I know that he writes his own books cause, and sends them down to earth because like down to all the shops out of the North Pole because I have one and so does my teacher, same one. <laughs> and, and I know that he, his elves help him and he always goes to sleep. But first thing in the morning he starts making toys so he gets all of them ready for the world. Sandy eats cookies and milk and uh, the reindeers eats carrots. The elves, the elves, sometimes they make the toys and then they have a couple of a sandwich or an orange or whatever they have and then they get started building again. And uh, 
Then they start making the presents when they normally get up straight away. And Santa goes to sleep and the next morning the elves builds, builds the toys and then and then we go then we go Santa goes down the chimney and puts them under the Christmas tree and and then he drinks his milk and eats his cookies and gives the reindeers his uh, carrots and and then sometimes he has a little look around of someone's houses and then he just goes home like for a little nap. And like tell you which reindeer is Santi's favourite, Rudolph. Are you sure you're wrapped up enough? The wind picks up here without much warning in the North Pole. I can feel a bite in the air, all right. <laughs> we would be lost without old One Horse. He looks after the reindeer all year round here in the stables. One Horse, are you there, old fellow? We have a reporter here who came all the way from Ireland who would like to meet the famous Rudolph. Just give me a second now. I'm just clearing up in here a bit. Now then, how can I help you? This is Denise. Nice to meet you, One Horse. Um, the reindeer look a bit subdued. <laughs> well, yes. You can't have them doing too much over the next few days. There's not many reindeer that could do what's asked of this lot. Can I ask you a few questions, if you don't mind? Absolutely, my dear. Fire ahead. How many reindeer exactly are there? Well, there's Dasher and Dancer, Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Donner and Blitzen. Oh, and of course, Rudolph. I can see his red nose from here. Um, can I ask exactly, why is it red? Well, we're not quite sure, to be honest. Some of the older elves talk of a firefly landing on his nose just as he was about to sneeze when he was a baby. Whatever happened, the loaf and the firefly got left on his nose. Whatever way it happened, one thing is for sure. Santa couldn't make his big journey every Christmas Eve. Not with our weather. Ho, ho, ho. I just hope enough carrots get left out this year. There was one year I ran out before we left Hawaii. <laughs> Rudolph almost went on a work to rule, and I thought I would melt in my suit. Just one more question, One Horse. What preparations actually go into Christmas Eve? Well, it's a marathon and not a race, so they have to be in peak physical condition. That's why they're resting this week like an athlete would before a marathon. But all year they're training. Actually, we have an annual sports day where the reindeer race the elves around a special assault course. The reindeer obviously are quicker, but some of those elves... Ho, ho, ho! The tricks those elves like to play. Poor old Rudolph. He's not able for them, are you, Rudolph? <laughs> Thank you so much, Twinors. Happy Christmas. No problem. Santa comes on Christmas Eve by a sleigh of reindeers. And when he goes to sleep, he can see it in his sleep and 
He flies the reindeers over to your house. And then when he goes, she say, oh, 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 Merry Christmas. And then when he gets in, in the chimney, then he uses magic to make himself thin. He, he always uh, goes down the chimney and, and the coal makes it dust to, to make the reindeers fly. And, and he has a little microphone on, on, on the bubble on his hat. And, and when, when the reindeers come out, they get a little bit angry sometimes because then Santi has to rope them to make them feel better. Why don't we go into my room so we can get some peace and quiet? That's perfect. Could you just close that door behind you there and... Uh... <laughs> what the... I'm terribly sorry. I, I don't know him. This is terribly embarrassing. No, no, it, it, it's quite all right, Santa. Dinky, you naughty elf. Wait till I get my hands on you Why I'll... What's going on in here? Oh, Santa, get a hold of yourself. Please, we have guests. It's not right, Mrs. Claus, playing tricks on me like that. I work very hard, you know. I, I don't think I get enough respect up here for the work that I do. Oh, now, Santa, stop that. I've just made some nice soup. Will I bring you some? I won't have it. I won't have a thing. I have no appetite after the fright that I just got. Oh, now, Santa, you must eat something. You have a very big night coming up ahead of you. Christmas Eve, Santa. Oh, my goodness, you can be a very stubborn elf sometimes. Santa? Santa, would you like some cookies and milk? No, Pepper. I'm afraid I have to go to bed. Some elves up here have no respect for me. Okay, sorry, Santa. Well... Maybe bring me just a few biscuits and some milk. You have always been such a good little elf, Pepper. I don't want to upset you. I'll get them straight away, Santa. As I spent more time with Santa, I began to see behind the public persona he portrayed. Despite his jolly demeanour, he was a man who took things to heart. It became clear that a certain controversial decision was not as easily made as was previously thought. My poor darling Santa doesn't really like to talk about this. But the start of all this outsourcing was a big problem for him. He'd been working so hard and was stretching himself much too thin. Everything was becoming a problem, including Christmas Eve. So Dinky made a suggestion, 
and it was a very, very clever one. We decided to let some of the elder elves go down to Earth and represent Santa in all the lovely, lovely shops where Santa sits and speaks to children and hears their requests for presents at Christmas. And when Santa saw how well it worked, he was delighted and it made life a lot easier for him. And it made sure that there wasn't any problem with him being everywhere all over the world on Christmas Eve. The only problem was, it did give him a lot more time to eat biscuits. According to Roddy Doyle, this ability to delegate is crucial to understanding Santa's success. It's an amazing thing really that Santa could become a global brand in the, in the, uh, in the modern context, that he could manage to deliver toys to billions of children and increasing all the time around the world, which although it's not a bigger place, is in the sense that there are more people in it and more people living in cities and apartment blocks. I often wondered about how could he deliver presents into a block of flats, you know, because it covered so little ground and yet so many people lived in these flats and he could move on to the next block. And a huge, huge job. So I think the way that he's managed to achieve it is quite brilliant, the way that he is still an intimate part of our lives. He's still the, the, the very old, wonderful man, and yet he's this global brand, almost like uh, McDonald's or something like that, but um, much better for you. Uh, so I think he's managed it really, really well. I don't know if he's on Facebook. I've never looked, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. I think it's quite a clever way of, uh, of dealing with the pressure, really. You know, I think, I think I, I, it's often... A successful business is often run by somebody who has the ability to delegate, you know, and I think if we look at Santa as a non-profit agency, you know, the whole business, he's, he's, a, he's a, a man probably who's just very, very good at delegating. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure by choice he'd rather have done it all himself, but with the population growing and more and more children, and uh, he couldn't possibly do it. So I think delegating uh, people to act on his behalf, I think, was a reasonable thing to do. And it hasn't affected the magic. You're listening to Santa, the man behind the beard, on News Talk 106 to 108. It was when television became popular that there was such a big push to see me in the flesh. <laughs> Before, people were just happy that I came. But, ho, 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 you media people. Well. Let's just say that people weren't satisfied anymore. People just kept asking where I was, and then... Well, this is what became most hurtful. Then people began to ask, well, not such nice questions of me. What type of questions, Santa? Well, they began to question the magic of Christmas. They began to ask if I even... Well, there is one thing I won't compromise on, no matter what anybody thinks. I will never compromise on the magic of Christmas. <laughs> I had to make a decision to start outsourcing. 
<laughs> that was when I decided to open the school for elder elves who would act as my representatives on Earth. It, it was controversial at the time, but, but it worked. I mean, what was I but an elder elf when I started out? Brent Pope believes that modern-day demands gave Santa no choice but to outsource. Yeah, well, I suppose the main problem was that in, in recent years, uh, you know, due to the economy and, and, uh, and population, that Santa started outsourcing. I think people for a while uh, maybe, you know, didn't believe that he was still doing the work. But, you know, I know for a fact that he was, and he was putting in the time. It was just that things became so demanding for him that uh, he had to put it out and through the elves or whatever, through his marketing representatives of people, he had to... Uh, he had to do that, and that was just part of the modern times. You know, you couldn't have been running a, a one-man business like Santa had done for so long, which just the help of the elves was never going to be applicable in modern society. He said to say, look, OK, we're going to get more people in, we're going to outsource the work, uh, he'll do the main sort of marketing and that, but, uh, and that's where it went. So he's still out there, he's still the CEO of Christmas and uh, outsources the work, and, uh, and he's, still, uh, he's still there and ticking. Yeah, well, obviously Santa can't be everywhere. You know, he's a lot of places, and he starts in the, in the, in the south of the North Pole, and he's got to work that 24 hours, which is really very difficult for him because, you know, he doesn't get overtime. Uh, it's the busiest time of the year for him. Uh, having said that, he's got to have representatives, and we know that, and those representatives are the owls. So they're the people in the meeting the greeting. They're the ones talking to the big department stores about uh, what is needed, you know, how many, uh, how many books. They've got to go out there and get the message back to Father Christmas, who works, I'd have to say, you know, take my hat off, and we work so hard for that, I suppose, that few weeks leading up to uh, leading up to Christmas. Of course, he's often seen somewhere afterwards having a holiday on, on a beach somewhere, and, and rightly so, because and, uh, it's, it's tough work. I never agreed with outsourcing. If you don't believe in magic, then you have no business asking of Santa Claus. What is magic if you have to prove everything? The outsourcing gave people like June Rogers the opportunity to see Santa in the flesh. An opportunity they wouldn't have previously had. No, I thought it was great because, um, because we always heard of Santa Claus. We never saw him. But it was great because it was a big thing for us to go into town. We were brought into town at Christmas because we'd never see any lights or anything like that unless you went to Switzer's and you just drool outside Switzer's window at these at, at these fantastic displays. Um, and then we we always went to Cleary's to see Santa Claus. That was a huge thing for us. Then you were down to Mead Street um, and down to Moore Street, to Henry Street, uh, the women with all the prams and get your cheeky charities and those Hector Greys and there was a great atmosphere down there. Yeah, so it brings back absolutely fantastic memories. Yes, that was my idea. I saw how stressed Santa was and I thought it'd be great if all the elves came together and tried to take some pressure off poor Santa. So we all got together and outsourced. Bernard Dunn believes that Santa is just like everybody else. He needs help sometimes. Um, well, I suppose for Santa has to outsource at some stage, you know, with the world is getting bigger and bigger all the time. Um, and there's that many kids to get to. And even though he's able to... Um, even though he's able to visit most of them himself personally, you know, he needs to get some help, you know, like everybody. Everybody, especially with a job that big. He, um, yeah, of course he needs help. I wish I was an elder elf. I'd love to see all the children and how happy they are as they open all of their presents. And how do you become an elder elf? You have to do 
every single job that Santa asks of you. And apparently you have to wait until your 400th birthday. That's what Mrs. Claus told me. Off the balls, Kieran Murph Murphy believes that Santa knows that the secret to success is to have a strong team behind you. Santa Claus has shown some of the key attributes you need to succeed in sport. Now, when Santa first moved into department stores, I know that raised a lot of eyebrows. Some people thought maybe it could be the end of him. But like the very best football transfers, he settled into his new life seamlessly, like a true professional. His ability to adapt to new circumstances might go some way to explaining why he's still one of the most well-known figures in the world today. And, you know, Santa Claus is the main man, but even Lionel Messi needs teammates. And I know that Santa Claus would be the first man to tell you how important Dinky the Elf is. He really is a master toy maker, and he's ensured that Santa Claus has stayed on top of all of the toy trends. Even the best in the business need teammates. I, I suppose, especially for me about Santa Claus, is, is the humour that it puts everybody in, you know. Regardless of, you know, what's going on in the world, everybody seems to have a smile on their face coming up to Christmas. Um, I know Mrs. Stone is uh, one of those extra freakish people who kind of get ready for Christmas in June and she has all our Christmas stuff up come the start of once once Halloween's out of the way all our Christmas decorations were up um, but Mrs. Dunn tends to plan way ahead for Christmas so kind of in this household anyway it's, um, it starts quite early So this is where all of the toys get made. Now, you'll have to excuse the noise. Lovely work, one horse. Thank you, sir. Dinky, lovely craftsmanship from you, as always. Thanks, Santa. Wait until you see what it will do with the remote control. Can I ask you, Santa Claus, the traditional view of toys is that they're more old-fashioned and less technological. How do you keep up with all the latest trends, given these technological advances? Oh, my dear. We have the best toy maker of them all. We have Dinky. Ho, ho, ho! He is so ahead of the trends that he has actually consulted with some of the biggest toy manufacturers in the warmer climes. Who do you think comes up with all the latest toys? Why, Dinky, of course. We have just been very smart and have licensed our ideas to the big companies down in the warmer climes. Not all of our ideas, of course. <laughs> I still love the care and attention that will go into a wooden train or an old rag doll and believe it or not, there are still some boys and girls who agree with me. Having said that, we have to stay on top of the trends. Uh, I remember getting, it wasn't a train set, it was a set of um, model trains. And if I remember correctly, and I mightn't, but I seem to remember three different engines. They were quite small. I don't know if they were Hornby trains or anything, but there were carriages with them. And the brilliant thing about it was that Santa brought me the trains, but because my dad knew that uh, they were on the way, he built this fantastic uh, track for them, including a tunnel. And so that was there waiting with the tracks. Santa must have got the tracks to my dad before uh, 
uh, he he delivered the trains because um, or my dad was stayed up very late on Christmas Eve but the whole thing was waiting that the trains at the end of the bed as he, he left all the presents and then this uh, fantastic uh, platform really I suppose you'd call it a big you know a big piece of chip wood with felt down for grass and different colours and then the, the, the tunnel was the most magical part of it really. Yeah that year I asked Santa Claus for a red telephone because we didn't have a telephone in our house so it would have been a great big novelty for me to have a phone. Unfortunately Santa hadn't got any red telephones that year so uh, myself and my sister we ended up with trolley dolls and they were identical trolley dolls and they were called Millie and Mary and they were just amazing because their hands and their legs moved and um, now they looked a bit constipated around the face they had eyes um, with eyelashes and they had blonde hair. Now, unfortunately, my doll had a gunner eye. So um, there was a bit of a, a bit of a conflict there between Linda and myself because I robbed hers. Um, so then on Christmas morning, my mother said we had to put their names on the back of their necks. So um, I really should have put probably the three sixes on the back of mine. But um, we absolutely loved these dolls. Um, and then on Christmas Day, Granny, of course, was there as well. So we took out the knitting needles and my granny knit little bonnets and cardigans and I knit a hairband and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yes, and I actually have photographs of myself and Millie and Mary. Quite sad, I know. My favourite present I ever got off Santa, um, well, the, the most memorable one I have is my He-Man figures. I remember waking up one year and all my He-Man figures on the bottom of the bed. Um, and it's, I suppose it's the clearest memory I have of Christmas. And uh, getting up, and, and I actually still happen to this date. My, my son plays with them now. We were always aware of uh, Christmas approaching, leaving aside the fact it was always a bit of excitement. But my father was born on the 8th of December, uh, which was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And it was a holy day, so the schools were closed. So we had a day off school on my father's birthday. But he, when I was very, very young, he taught uh, printing in Bolton Street College of Technology and for some bizarre reason it was closed on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception as well. This would be in the 60s. So it was a day off for all of us so we'd go into town and that was the start of Christmas, you know. And I think it might have been just a little bit after that we wrote letters and when my dad came home from work uh, he would uh, take the letters and put them up the chimney and uh, he would call up to Santa and he'd have to call up a few times, uh, but Santa would answer. And he'd said, I'm leaving the, the, I'm leaving the letters here for you. And Santa would say, oh, that's great. That's great. I'll see you on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So that happened every year. In the Murphy household, we gave our presents to each other on Christmas Eve so that come Christmas morning, Santa Claus and his bag of gifts were the only show in town. So me and my three older brothers would get up all really early, race downstairs to the sitting room and open up all of our presents. And provided my eldest brother Mongo had been given his fish heads the night before, it was a really lovely scene every Christmas morning. Always left stuff out for Santa. Um, um, it was generally a, a glass of milk and some cookies or if Mammy had made pudding, there would be some pudding left out for him. Right, Santa, breathe in. <gasps> breathe in more. Oh, now, hold it. Hold it. Oh, Santa. I tried to warn you about eating all those biscuits. Oh, right. I've been looking at the naughty or nice list and I really think we should review it. I have a question about some of the people who've been a bit naughty in the run-up to Christmas. Oh, there goes another button off your shirt. Oh, Santa. Rudolph won't do his warm-ups. He's just sitting in the paddock sulking. 
I don't know what to do. Santa, Santa, the chocolate coin machine just spluttered chocolate all over the workshop. It's yummy, but Trixie fell on it and now she's crying. Santa, Santa, Santa. We must review the list now or it's never going to get done. Santa. I spent so long on this. Could you get me some biscuits, please? That's enough. Out. Everybody out. That includes you, Alabaster. But, Mrs. Claus, when am I going to get a chance? I'm sorry, Alabaster, oh. not now. Oh. <laughs> I'd better leave you to it, Denise. Do you think red suits me? I've often wondered with my complexion if I need to go with more neutral colours. How do you do it, Santa? Well... How do I do what? You know, how do you do it all? I mean, you go around the world in one whole night. And getting into houses and apartments that don't even have chimneys. I've tried so many times to make sense of it, and I just can't. <laughs> oh, I see. Can I ask you a question? Of course. Do you believe in magic? Because, you see, when people stop believing in magic, Christmas stops being special to them. Do you know, when a company is very successful, it will have two directors, and they will never be in the same place at the same time. So if anything happens to one of them, the other director will still have all the secrets that makes that company special. If I gave away my secrets, all of the companies would take over from me and there would be no need for Santa Claus anymore. I've had to make a lot of compromises over the years and a lot of changes. But there is one thing I can never do, and that is give away the special secrets to how I do it. I won't give away the special secrets to the magic of Christmas. Santa is man who loves kids. Well, on Christmas Eve they're really busy. Because the second, like, in the night they have to deliver the presents and they don't have much time to make it or deliver them. Uh, he freezes the walls and then, and then makes everything a bit easier for him to do it. Hello, I'm Bernie. And my memories of Christmas would be to go into Woolworths and Henry Street and you could get a dip, it was called a dip. And the, the dips were wrapped in, in uh, tissue paper and the girls were wrapped in pink and the boys were wrapped in blue. And it was one in thruppence. At one time you could get a dip for sixpence, it was only a small dip, but then it was one in thruppence. The atmosphere was, was great years ago for the people because everyone might need to meet one another to be hugging and kissing one another. And The most important thing that we spoke about years ago because I'm 76 now, the most important thing we spoke about years ago was that was the birth of the baby Jesus, young Emmanuel, as he was called, when he played on the streets with the other boys. He was called Emmanuel. You know what I mean? No, of course, it would be known as Jesus, but that was his name. And um, We were always made uh, to understand that that was the, the, the significance of, of Christmas. The, the first Santa that I ever went to in my life was over in Clary's and we had to go over that morning real early because Santa was coming and we had to queue up 
And I think, oh, it was very dear. I think it was one and six for a parcel. Ah, oh, it was very dear at the time, you know what I mean? One and six for a parcel, Sandy. That was in Clary's. That was my first uh, encounter of, of, of having a chat with Sandy Claus. And he was nice and nice, but he, I think he used to, he had a load of rouge on his, on his cheeks, you know, rouge, like women that wear rouge on their cheeks, because you could see it through the white beard, you know, just over the white beard. And it was lovely, it was very hard to me saying, now don't forget now that who you have to pray to now and, and be a good girl all the year round, it's not just a one occasion, you remember that now, you must be good all the year round. Well, there was always a bottle of stout which was always gone the next morning, so Santi must have been very thirsty. And a bit of uh, plum pudding that my mother was always making. Um, and then there's always a carrot left out for Rudolph, and there's always big teeth marks in it in the morning when we get up. But then Gayborn brought in the breathalyzing band thing, so it was kind of a glass of milk was left out from Santa from that day on. Well, when I was younger, like all kids out there around the world, I used to wake up, you know, you'd be poking your nose out of the under the bed from about after midnight because obviously that's when Father Christmas used to come around about 12 o'clock but I'd always be into the into my parents room jump on the bed we always used to go away um, as New Zealanders you would take your uh, holidays uh, over the Christmas period so we'd always be away maybe at the beach or somewhere so it would always be jumping on the parents bed about three or four in the morning but presents always used to be there at the end of the bed in a, in a pillowcase so you'd always be scrambling around as long as the presents weren't too loud you'd open your presents and we were always allowed to it was one of those things you'd always be allowed to open one you know before midnight usually the one and you'd have to decide which one you were going to open that was always the excitement do you open the big one of the, good, the goods you expected or do you open the smaller one the sort of surprise element but uh, of course we were always visited with one of the first country lucky enough that father christmas coming from the south pole uh, often my house was his third or fourth stop so you know he did then go around the rest of the world but he was always start at the south pole and we appreciated that because uh, he'd always arrive early and we'd get our presents i suppose a few hours earlier than they would in ireland my first memory of santa is being air three and waking up and seeing the boot prints coming into the to the room where the stocking was and then them following downstairs to the tree and the excitement of it and when you come down and you see like the treats you laid out for Santa the night before and being eaten and leaving like carrot out for Rudolph and being all happy when like you left a note saying thank you for the lovely biscuits and the lovely and Rudolph says thanks for the carrots. So my main Christmas traditions growing up was uh, watching the late late toy show and then uh, we'd always do our Santa letters either the day after and then we'd put up the tree that weekend as well. Um, everyone's gotten a bit busier and older now so now we put up the tree usually two weeks beforehand when everyone comes back home and gets back around and then uh, we all go to the local for a few drinks on Christmas Eve and meet all the neighbours and relatives that come home. I'm not a morning person even on Christmas so I'd always try and stay as long as I could but my younger sisters would always come in and wake me up around seven or eight so we always had to stay in bed till eight o'clock I think for mum and dad's sake so they get an extra hour of sleep but uh, yeah that, that's all it was. What's my Christmas tradition? What we love doing is um, myself and all my friends, we meet in town um, around Grafton Street area. So we do that and we go for a couple of drinks. Um, and then uh, we go home and, or I go home and I uh, go back to my family home and we all meet up and we go to the uh, local Chinese actually. So a very, a very festive um, tra traditional, uh, an Irish tradition for us. Basically what I do is go home on, um, I come to work on Christmas Eve for an hour just to say hello and then I go home 
meet up with all the family around two o'clock for a big Christmas lunch, and then we all go our separate ways. Meet up with uh, my brother, my girlfriend, and stuff, and go for a few points that evening, Christmas Eve. Uh, try not to stumble home, and then basically get up, pretend I'm going to go for a run on Christmas Day, but never do, and then sit down for the big dinner and just enjoy the crack. Um, I think uh, what's so special about Santa Claus, he brings happiness wherever he goes. Um, he's been around for ages. He always, always keeps his promise. Actually, he's a bit like Enda Kenny with a beard, isn't he really? Not. <laughs> I think what's really special about Santa Claus, you know, having, having been the lucky recipient of his generosity and then having witnessed him being in much the same way uh, very generous with my own children is how the magic has remained intact and that it is something that people cherish, you know, right through their lives. There's nothing quite as magical as seeing uh, kids react to Santa. And um, I remember hearing an adult in the company of children saying, beginning to say something really disparaging about Santa. And the reaction was so quick and almost violent that I'd never seen anything quite like it, that this man was violating something quite sacred in the lives of a lot of people. So I think the fact that the magic carries on, not just from generation to generation, but from child to child into adulthood, and that uh, very rarely does anybody try to get, uh, what would you say, cynical. I think it's a wonderful thing. I suppose the most amazing thing about Christmas and Santa Claus is how, is how magical uh, the day is and how magical everything leading up to the day is. Um, with Santa Claus, it's this um, incredible feat that he can um, do this all over the world. Um, I remember growing up with my brother and sister um, after, after Midnight Mass, which even as kids, we didn't mind because of the excitement of the day and what we knew was going to happen that night. Um, after Mass, we would go to my mum's cousin who just lived in the next village over. Um, and we would go there and the, the adults would be drinking and we would just be sitting down, patiently waiting for the, for the time to come where we could go home and sleep the, the final sleep before Christmas Day. And I'll never forget just going home in the car with my brother and my sister um, in the back seat, craning our necks through the through the windows to try and catch a glimpse of Santa Claus and his reindeer like going through the sky and like trying really hard to try and see him and her parents looking out for him as well um, and then getting back to the house and making sure the living room was all set up because um, in our living room we each had we each had a certain area that was ours for where Santa would know where to leave everything for us um, and then obviously trying desperately to sleep and even though I was the youngest my sister was the eldest it was always her who would be up first, probably only two or three hours after going to sleep. And she would wake myself and my brother up and we would like run downstairs and go to each of our own areas of the living room and just be always, always amazed at what had been left there for us and rushing upstairs to tell our parents. And even though we'd be waking them up, they would still be really excited for us. Oh my God, Santa, I love that man. He is fantastic. What we used to do was, we used to, myself and my brother used to, um, we, shared, we shared a room and when we were very younger, we used to always look out the window and wait to see him go by. Every year we waited until he landed on the roof and we could hear his, his 
his bells um, and without fail every year we heard his bells and when we did we could hear his footsteps downstairs and all we wanted to do was go down and say hi to Santa but we knew we couldn't because if we saw him he wouldn't leave our presence for us. So we knew we had to just sit there and wait. So we'd, we'd wait for him. So we'd arrive, we'd hear the bells, we'd hear him land and hear his footsteps. And then we knew when he went away that we just had to go to sleep and wait for Christmas morning and see what he'd brought us. It was always going to the parents to ask, um, can we go downstairs yet? And they were like, you know, they'd look at the clock and say it's four o'clock. No, go back to bed for an hour. So we'd be back at half four. And then we go downstairs holding their hands and stuff and then just go mental, like, you know, ripping stuff apart. You know, we each had a couch each. You know, so my couch had all the presents and one year there was nothing on one of the couches for my brother. So he started crying. <laughs> Santa hit the Commodore 64, so it was his fault. Now remember Santa, there are a lot of Kellys in Ireland, so you need to be extra careful. Oh, alabaster Kellys and Burns and Murphys. I know, alabaster. You forget how long I've been doing this. All right, Santa. That's the reindeer all ready to go. Rudolph's even behaving himself today. Of course he is. Good old Rudolph. He never lets me down. That's the last of the sacks. Go on there, Santa. Thank you, Dinky. You certainly are mischievous, but I would be lost without you. Santa, be careful. Don't push yourself too hard. Oh no, this won't do. This won't do at all. Where's the dust? We need the dust now. We're behind schedule already. I found it. I found the dust, Santa. Well, I'd better get a move on. We have a lot of ground to make up. Isn't that right, boys? Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, everyone! Santa, the man behind the beard, was produced by Sorka Glacken and was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sound and Vision Funding Scheme. To listen back to this or any other Newstalk documentary, go to newstalk.com forward slash documentary on Newstalk.